are listening to the Elephant in the Room podcast with your host, Sutta Singh. Each week, we will bring you a diverse range of inspiring speakers on issues of inequality and inequity. You will hear stories about fairness, justice, belonging, and about best practice for creating a more inclusive workplace. So, if you are an individual or leader interested in a fairer, equitable, compassionate society and workplace, this podcast is for you. My guest on the Elephant in the Room podcast this week is Sita Rani KP, a TEDx speaker, coach, and head of human resources at Philips Innovation Campus in Bengaluru. In this episode, we spoke about leadership, inclusion, and the evolving role of HR in an organization. Good afternoon, Sita. It's wonderful to finally have you on the Elephant in the Room podcast today. Wonderful to hear, Sita. Lovely to be here with you. Brilliant. Let's get started. Can you give a quick introduction to who you are and please share a couple of experiences that have defined who you are today? Thanks for that, Sita. I am a people's person and I believe in making a difference to people and being joyful and bring joy to people. That's the core of who I am. And what has shaped this is my foundational years. I was born and brought up in Bangalore in a place where I had people from different parts of India. We had people from Andhra Pradesh, Tamil Nadu, Karnataka, and even Maharashtra, Gujarat. I grew up with different sets of people and it also had different classes of people. And also we had people with disability who were thriving in that environment. We had people with polio. So I got a lot of exposure being with different kinds of people. And probably that has helped me have a very diverse mindset, you know, kind of. That is number one. And number two, I think from my family, I draw a lot of strength. Particularly, I want to draw attention to what my dad was like. My dad was someone who really brought a lot of joy. As a child, when I was growing up um, with my siblings, every single day he would come home from work, no matter how his day was, whether he was going through his own hardships. But when he would come home, he always got something for us. It could be chocolates or it could be like poppins or biscuits, etc., but it used to bring a lot of joy to us. He would take time to tell us stories, make some, make up some of his own stories and entertain us. And all of that brought a lot of joy and kind of made me believe that it's the moments. We have to seize the moments and make it count. I still remember my dad's one of the incidents that, you know, when he was old and ailing and frail, still wrote on my birthday, he wrote a handwritten note about me, a couple of lines, which I framed and kept it on the table. And wow. really giving me joy forever. It's something that I will always cherish. And even though he's not there with me, he's always there with me. So that's something that I can recollect. All of this has really made me, and a lot of lovely people that I've met along the way, the human resource person, uh, you know, and their experiences have shaped me and I have been a part of some of their journey. So that that's where. That's like a heart, very heartwarming. There are some heartwarming stories in there. So at Philips Innovation Center, what is your role? What do you do there? I had the honor of leading the human resource function for Philips Innovation Campus Bangalore. We are a diverse team of engineers, clinicians, researchers, designers, software developers, and functions. It's my privilege to understand their diverse needs 
help shape the policies, practices, so that they can bring their best, not only in their day-to-day work, but also build innovation that really improve lives and well-being of people, which is a purpose of our company. So you've been in a leadership role for some time now, Sita. What, according to you, are the traits of a good leader in the past couple of years, especially post-COVID? The definition of leadership has evolved. It is evolving constantly. So what, according to you, are the traits of a good leader? Who, according to you, is a good leader? I think part of the answer lies in the question that you asked. It's about evolving, right? I think I definitely attribute the leadership style to be totally evolving because a lot of different things are happening at this point. And today we need even more responsible leaders to have, you know, set a very sustainable platform for socioeconomic benefit. So that being the case, I think I'd start with basics. Maybe the need of the R is to exemplify some of the basic traits. Number one for me is always the emotional part, right? Tapping the commitment of people and creativity of the people can happen if you can really be, if you can be caring, compassionate, empathetic. That helps to connect with people, especially people are dealing with a lot of things, post-COVID losses and different other emotions. So uh, well-being is very important. So I believe an emotional aspect of leadership is very important today, number one. Number two is definitely inclusion. Inclusion is a place where everyone can feel safe They can have their own voice and give their perspective because we need everyone's input today to resolve any kind of customer issues or customer needs to meet customer needs. So a workforce should reflect or mirror the customer base. So I believe that it's very important for us to be inclusive. That's the second part. The third part is business and technological aspect, right? Leaders with sharpened business and technology traits because we should be able to talk business language at the same time. Technology is so so fast and so dynamic. It's important to keep the safety aspects in mind. To responsibly innovate with new technology is another important thing. It could be the safety and privacy of the customers. It could be safety of the patients, or it could be just protecting overall what is good uh, globally as well. So that responsible responsibility from that angle is important. Another point would be intellect and insights. And today, there's so much of data that's available in the market in different forms, making sense of that and keeping a long-term view and taking that calculated risk is very important, getting some insights. And not last but not the least, I think what I have realized as a leader over a period of time is to really nurture the intuitive ability, intuition, right? There's a lot of data that we rely on, but it's important for leaders today to we lead back on their own intuition because intuition is also one kind of a data. And it is a data that is telling something. It is telling you based on something that is inside of you. right? So I do believe that leaders should nurture the basic instincts and intuition as leaders. Oh, that's very interesting. That is true. We tend to disregard our instinctive abilities. And that, of course, the instinct is because of the experiences in our muscle memory, in our body, in our brain. 
That's so interesting. What is your own leadership style, Sita? And has it evolved? I think for all of us, of course, how we behave as leaders has evolved. I can definitely say that for myself. How has it evolved over the course of your career? Oh, it's a lovely question. And I said that I totally believe in evolving. Version 9.0, like I mentioned earlier. Definitely it has evolved. Uh, my natural style has been a very empathetic and compassionate style of leadership. And that can be confirmed because I just spoke to a few of my people that have been a people leader for over 20 years back, 15 years back, five years back, and even today. Some themes remain the same. And the caring part and the empathetic part is still compassionate part still holds good. What has perhaps uh, evolved is, like I just mentioned about intuition, I think I was not trusting my instincts a lot, but I, with a lot of experiences, taking chance on people, etc. At the same time, I can tell you how has it evolved. It has evolved with people. And my leadership style is, like, I start with trust. I start with 200% trust. Okay. Until I have reasons not to. I give complete, it's something that I believe that we should just start on, start off that. And then more than delegating, my intent is always to elevate, elevate the people around. You know, I like to stay, give them stretch, like to see how they can be elevated, how they can be showcased. And if I look back and speak to a lot of people, I still have people who I hired in my previous companies who really raised to very senior positions. And it makes me really proud how they have grown in their careers, how they call for any career moves that they make. And even today, my team, I've had the opportunity to have put together a team from different, you know, different experiences. I thoroughly enjoy working with them. I really believe in letting them lead and just giving them opportunities, guide them, a coaching style. That's what it is. And what has helped it, I can give a couple of examples, right? Yeah. In the beginning, when I was a people leader, this is about 15 years ago, let's say, I was again friendly, approachable kind of a leader. And people would say, oh, you're the best manager I've had and gave me all good feedback. And then when it came to an employee survey that really talks about manager, I really got a beating. It was taken aback by a kind of a score that was unbelievable, right? I fell off my chair. I couldn't believe. I thought I'm reading the survey wrong. I read it, looked at it and all of that. Yeah. And then realized that that's the fact. That's what is in front of me. Then that took me some time to uh, kind of digest. So I went on a soul searching trip for a couple of days myself, came back with a determined mind to get over this, to understand what is going on met each person personally and had a heart-to-heart talk just to let them know that it's about me, not about them. And about, you know, letting me know where I can do better and about improving myself and not so much about them. And believe me, I got a lot of good inputs and there was some misunderstanding between different other people, which was brewing underneath, which I didn't probably pay attention to, which I thought was frivolous, etc. meant a lot for somebody else. And it yeah. led so many other things in the team so thereby it gave me a lot of blind spots about other people and what's happening with them and yeah. then how my being in the center of it how it helps them perceive differently that helped me clarify a lot of things and then we went on to being one of the best teams after that so that's this one small example but I can tell you I learned a whole lot by that and that helped me to continuously keep a dialogue with team members 
and it's important for me to see that they do well in their roles plus do well in their personal lives even today for all my team members i ask them to put on a personal goal as well while they put in their professional goals for the year just to see that i stand with them i kind of adjust a little bit and help them yeah. so it is about and i'm thoroughly enjoying it yeah that's so interesting and also important to acknowledge because I mean, when we talk about leaders or leadership, essentially it's a cultural thing. I think we don't want to be seen to have made mistakes or to have failed. So, you know, to recognize that, okay, there is something that's wrong, take a step back to engage and to hear from people, to actually listen to them and ask them. That's like opening yourself and being vulnerable. And that's like, I think, a great trait for all leaders because we are not perfect human beings and we definitely need support at different junctures. So it's good to hear you talking about that. Moving on, do you believe that HR can or should drive purpose and culture in an organization? Again, in the post-COVID world, purpose has suddenly taken front and center stage. And HR as a function is hugely powerful in sort of how you influence a culture within the organization. What would you say? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think HR has a really, really critical role in this. First of all, HR would be a part, an active member in shaping the employee value proposition itself. What's in it for employees today? Multi-generational talent is what most companies would have, right? And it's important for them to know why they're working, what are they working on, how will they work, and all of that. So articulating some of those and getting those narratives right in such a way that people understand, you know, why they're there. All of it starts with that. Secondly, to strategize and look at what kind of talent we need to unlock and to be able to unlock that kind of potential in them and bring forth the result that we're looking towards a shared purpose. So driving that is important. And thirdly, culture. Culture in itself is like a fertile soil on which you can build things. And HR can build and enable that ecosystem by nurturing it and also calling out what of that culture. Culture is the how part, right? Yeah. It's the how of how do things, there's a behavior in which we do. Like, for example, if it's a customer, the core of everything, so it's customer first. It's a behavior. And how do we drive that behavior? The how part is the part where HR can hugely influence. They can help coach people. They can demonstrate and they can have role models and continuously invest in leaders who can carry on that message, walk the talk continuously, keep nurturing and facilitating some of those aspects. And especially in an ever-changing world, at current uh, juncture yeah. post-COVID for sure. So HR is also a change agent. So yeah. they really play an active role in change and even dealing with change fatigues and well-being of people. There's so much change, you know, you can only cope with it by being with people and helping them to uh, take care of themselves. Okay. And why do you think it is important for workplaces to be representative, inclusive and equitable And what is the wider impact? Because I think there are learned behaviors that we all have and experiences that we all have being nurtured in a particular way. So how can organizations, I mean, when you have people working in an organization, they don't come from just one place. There are different sorts of people coming in with different experiences, different lived experiences, different socioeconomic strata, et cetera, et cetera. So how do you build that inclusion 
with all these different people coming together? And how do you build that cohesion? And why is it important? I think the opportunity cost for not doing so is very high, right? If you don't have a diverse set of people, because it's the people who really define your strategy of how you're going to achieve your purpose. They are the ones who really shape the thoughts. They are the ones who bring in new ideas. They provide solutions for the customer's problems. Yeah. So it's important to have different thoughts, which we may not be, if everyone's looking alike, then they will not be able to cope with the complex challenges that they're trying to crack. And so basically, we should be able to mirror the customer base that we have. It's only then we can think. Like if we have people with disability, you will know how to think on their behalf, or they can represent a particular set of society, you know, because every business is here for societal value. So it's only imperative that they keep representation from all kinds as possible. So that's how I think inclusion is very important. And then people want to be themselves, right? If you look at a campaign called Life is Better When You Are You, right? Mm. And people want to be themselves when they come to work. They can be of any generation preferences. Today, there's so much of awareness that is being created from LGBTQ-related awareness. Persons with disability, they have strong special abilities. If you're only able to match that and have a win-win, it's a great success for each company. Yeah, I think this is the sort of difficult one is that HR traditionally, not sure about what sort of relationship people have with HR, but HR is there and they need to be there. And I think it has evolved in the past couple of years. But what are the skills that practitioners need in today's world in order to be conversant with their expanding role? And of course, what the expectation is from the employees what would your advice be to like current and future practitioners? So what are the skills that they need to have? And what are the ones that they need to really sort of think about? Yeah, it's very tricky. Like I mentioned, there's change happening everywhere. So change management has taken you know, for a while now in HR's role. We're always trying to manage change. And like I heard in one of the talks recently, that even when I attend one of the speakers mentioned this, Change is something that is constant, but fear and resistance of change is also constant. Yeah. So, you know, it's not easy to manage change. Okay. So through that, I think HR has a key role. They're trying to manage all that. They can be popular and popular both are possible. Like you said, people have different kinds of relationships with HR. But I think the crux of it in the recent past, based on the companies and the roles that I have had, change management is there. So how you tread on that, how you help strategize and manage through that change is very important. And also in all that, keep the well-being in mind and take care of burnout and ensure that there's less impact of change fatigue, number one. Number two, there's a lot of digital transformation, economic uncertainty, political unrest that is also causing these disruptions. So HR leaders should navigate change, keeping employees together and taking them along. And the future of work, I think everybody is talking about the future of work and a very key factor of that is the hybrid workforce. It's just one part of the equation. I think the most important part is technologies of AI and other things are also disrupting the way you plan for workforce. The workforce planning is also not something that we are able to sustain because the need for new kinds of talent, skills 
is also a challenge. So as an HR practitioner, what we should be expanding on is to try and see how to work on shifting skills. Maybe there could be skilling. Everybody's talking about skilling, upskilling and all of that, right? So there is shifting skills that we need to be aware of, you know, come up what is the need of the hour. Second is their scarce talent because if the technology is new, like for example, we've spoke about informatics and other talent which are recent so it is not going to be that you're going to get experienced people of that so they're rather new the skill itself is new there so it's going to be scarce so dealing with that and then there's high turnover because a lot of opportunities are there and then people have the flexibility to work from home while some other organizations still have hybrid etc so there is going to be a high turnover so you need to make sure that your purpose is so strong that people really want to stay. And then there's always retention-related actions, high engagement-related things. These are all every day, but they have to do yeah. it in a different light because yeah. of the change, right? And the dynamic, the employer-employee dynamic is changing so much because of all these things. So kind of being in the middle of it and orchestrating all of that is very interesting, multitasking, multifaceted role, I would say. Yeah, it's evolving. And yeah, I think there is lots that we need to be conscious of while thinking about the future and while thinking about what skills we require, what skills HR requires, what skills employees require, and how you work with them to get their best. See that we are almost coming to the end of the podcast. Who are your role models? I'd be very interested to know. Do you have role models? I do have role models who are in our day-to-day life, not always somebody who's very famous. Sudha, I mm-hmm. think definitely Indra Nui is one of my role models. She's somebody I can totally relate to because of the experiences that she shared in her book and the interviews and others, totally coming from families, which I can totally relate to the instances that she has narrated, the kind of issues she might have dealt with while dealing with business and balancing act, etc. Apart from that, there are several people at workplace and the leaders that I have worked with. Sometimes it's also our immediate family members or even youngsters. You know, my daughter, she's a teenager. There's a lot of reverse mentoring that happens. Absolutely. (laughs) So I don't have like fixed role models. It keeps changing on one particular day. It could be a hero. It could even be my cook who just recently lost her son, young son, who's 30 years old, and how she's bravely standing up and fighting for her family. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you just look at the behavior and leadership of the person and then you think, okay, you're somebody who's really being a role model in some aspects. So yeah. with keen eye out, look out for people who are really being strong out there. They're all my role models. That's amazing. That's true, actually. There are so many relatable people around us who inspire us actually in our day-to-day lives. We are on the last question. How would you complete the sentence, I believe? I believe in people. (laughs) It might sound very cliched, but (laughs) it's not. Uh, The thing is, I have seen people come around 360 degree change. When I was growing up and through my leadership journey again, through some self-awareness programs that I've attended, I have seen and been a part of journeys where people have turned around 360 degree. They have believed in possibility thinking. They've gone after what it is. I myself have also evolved. That's how my evolving also started. And I'm present to the fact that I'm evolving and I can look back and say, oh, last year I was like this and this year I'm trying something new. Right. So I believe in people and I have immense faith in people. 
That's a beautiful way to end our wonderful conversation. Thank you so much, Sita, for making time for this conversation on a Saturday. I really appreciate what you've done. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sita. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Love talking to you. Thank you for joining us this week on the Elephant in the Room podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on any of your favorite platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And if you enjoyed listening to the podcast today, don't forget to write a review and tell your friends. Sign up on the link in the show notes to receive updates on our guest speakers, blogs, and events. And don't forget to tune in every Thursday for new episodes.